On Approach podcast brought to you by AGL, Aircraft Guarantee and Lending, your financing and insurance resource for general and corporate aviation. Contact us today, aircraftcash.com. Again, that's aircraftcash.com. Welcome to On Approach, the podcast that brings you informative and inspiring information from the world of aircraft ownership. I'm your host, Kim Sutherland, Vice President of Development for Airmart Aircraft Sales and Brokerage in Lexington, Kentucky. Today, we are talking about mission profiles. What are they, and how do you assess yours? And how does assessing your mission profile save you time and money? With me today are Airmart Sales Executives, Sav Savanier and Tate Priest. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much for being here. We're glad to have you. Um, and with us today, of course, is my husband, Grant, who is president and director of sales and acquisitions for Airmark. Hi, thank you. Glad to be here. All right. Before we get started, I wanted to take a minute to congratulate Sav on his recent appointment to the Lexington Bluegrass Airport Board. We are honored to have someone with Sav's integrity and commitment to aviation on the Airmark team. Sav, what does this appointment mean to you? Thanks, Kim. I really appreciate it. I've tried to take the approach of continual education and, and to always learn something new. And so I'm very excited to be involved in some decision-making processes and watching the growth and continued improvement of Bluegrass Airport. Really appreciative of Airmart's support in that process, as well as Lexington City Council and the CEO and president of Bluegrass Airport, Eric Frankel. And Bluegrass Airport is amazing how much it's grown. Um, Eric Frankel has done an amazing job with that airport. It's just been impressive the development that they've done over the years and they've been really cooperative with general aviation as well which we greatly appreciate well your airmart family is really proud of you Sav, and we look forward to the impact that we know you'll make in the aviation community and on serving the board thanks so much i appreciate it all right well we have a lot to cover today so let's get into it uh we'll start with you tate i know in our office we use the term mission profile all the time it's just part of our company's vocabulary so everyone at this table here knows exactly what that means. But for those joining us who maybe aren't aviation professionals, uh, why don't you give us a brief definition of mission profile? Yeah, thanks, Kim. So I think in the most simple terms, it's how you're going to use the airplane. Airplanes are a tool. I think most of them, most of us view it that way. So it's a tool to complete a specific mission that you have. There's a lot of different airplanes out there. They do a lot of different things. So it's important to define what that looks like for you so you can purchase the right airplane. Okay, so it's sort of tailored to, obviously mission profile is tailored to how you're going to use the airplane. Grant, do you have anything to add? Uh, no, I mean, mission profile is where you start when you're looking to purchase an airplane. All right, Sav, what would you say are the most key factors to consider when defining your mission profile? I know some of the obvious ones, like what distance do you plan to travel and how many people you're going to take with you? Uh, but what are, so, what are some of the others? I think some of the other key points, Kim, are pilot qualifications and experience when deciding what would be appropriate, your geographic location, and available resources, because it, it varies widely. Grant, I've heard you on the phone many times explaining the 80-20 rule to a customer. What is the 80-20 rule, and how can it help someone make their best aircraft decision? Great question, and I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, we talk about it all the time. Uh, you need to buy an airplane that's going to be meeting 80% of your mission. Uh, you will never find an aircraft that's going to fit 100% of what you're going to use it for. 
Um, so when you're doing that 80% rule, you need to ask yourself, where am I going 80% of the time and who am I taking with me 80% of the time? So you will never find an airplane that's going to be 100% of what you want. There's always going to be some level of compromise. Um, so is part of that, whether or not you're using the plane for business or for personal travel? Um, it can depend. Um, you know, for, for tax purposes, you're going to want to use it more than 50% of the time for business if you're going to use it as a business tool and you write it off as such. Um, but as from a standpoint of whether that blend mar marries or makes a difference, it's all going to be dependent upon how you're going to pay for the aircraft. So if you're going to be using it for primarily business and using it to expense it as business, you're just going to want to make sure that more than 50% of it is used for business purposes. So that distinction between how you're going to use the airplane is an important one. Um, I think that a lot of people try to make one aircraft do both things. Uh, Kate, what advice would you give to an aircraft owner who can only buy one plane, but it needs to serve two vastly different missions? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one, and a lot of my customers are in that situation. You know, for business, maybe it's just them flying around in the airplane, but they've got a family of four or five, um, and whenever they're using the airplane for that personal part of their mission, it, it, they have to have something that's going to, serve that side of, of their mission. So I would say my advice would be buy an airplane that has very broad capabilities, a very wide mission envelope, something like a Cessna 182. You can fly it by yourself. You know, it's fast enough to, to go on those long trips. It can carry enough that when you have to put the family in it, um, you know, you have that capability to do so. But if you're flying it around yourself, you know, you're not uh, being extremely inefficient and just one person in the airplane fly, flying a very large aircraft that you don't need to be flying just by yourself. So um, obviously it, it's best to have a, a very defined mission, but if your mission is very broad and you can't define it, buy an airplane that, that's very capable and has a broad mission envelope. Do you have anything to add to that, Sav? Yeah, I agree with Tate. It's a it's a unique challenge that uh, that our clients face, but to Grant's point, there is it's hard to find an airplane that accomplishes 100% of what you're trying to do with right. an aircraft. So you want to go for what accomplishes most of what you're trying to do. Yep. Harking back to our 80-20 rule. The 80-20 yep. rule. Okay, great. Well, so now that we know what a mission profile is and how to apply the 80-20 rule to the utility of your plane, let's get into some specific examples. So, Sav, why don't we go back to you. Say a customer, let's call him John, calls about a Beechcraft Baron. He likes the redundancy of twin engines because he regularly flies his family of four from Miami to Nassau. Nice flight, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. That sounds good to me. Let's go to the um, as you talk with John Moore, it turns out that regularly means he flies to Nassau twice a year on vacation. Most of his flights are from Miami to Fort Myers, and he usually takes one other person from his company. How would you assess John's mission profile to match him with the right plane? I would... I would say it's important to consider with, with John's situation the full picture, and that's part of being paired up with an experienced brokerage firm. So John, let's say hypothetically, is a lower time pilot, 200 hours, recent instrument rating. A Beechcraft Baron is a wonderful airplane, very capable, but it might be a little bit too much for what it is that John's able to fly right now. Um, so he might not look favorable in the insurance company's eyes. Um, and also from a, the standpoint of safety, you want to find an airplane that matches your level of piloting experience or something that you can grow into. So if John was, as we said, a, a lower time pilot, I might suggest that we steer the direction towards something that might match his, his experience level, 
maybe a Cirrus SR-22 would mm. work. That's a popular alternative because of the parachute and flight over water uh, is obviously of concern, which is why he, he thinks he wants a second engine. Right. Um, but his pilot experience might not match piloting a, a Beechcraft Baron yet. Uh, not to say that we couldn't move John into a Beechcraft Baron next, but I think if the Nassau trip is only a couple of times a year, otherwise he's over mainland Florida, then a Cirrus would be a great alternative for him to consider. Yep. Right. That, would be, that would be a good one. And then also matching up his goals, right? So if his goal is, if he calls us and he says, hey, you know, my goals and dreams and aspirations are to be able to fly a Baron or a King Air or some type of high-performance complex aircraft down the road, um, then we might also recommend maybe a Piper Saratoga or something with some retractable gear. So the retract would be safe over the water. So if there was a necessary reason to have to ditch the aircraft, uh, having a retractable gear aircraft would be safe for that. Um, and it's going to help build up his pilot experience to help him achieve his goals because they're going to want to see that retract time, that high performance. Well, and that's important to note, too, that aviation isn't just about it, the business tool, even though we use it largely for that. It's, it also is very human and emotional, too. Like People have aspirations of, of where they want to go with it, and your dreams and your goals do need to be part of, of that mission profile and, and where you want to go with your aviation journey. Um, and I wanted to, to Sov's point, the capabilities of the pilot himself, or herself, I suppose, um, are, are every part of, is as much a part of the mission profile even as where they're going and who they're taking with them. So I think that was an excellent point. Okay, we have another example. So Tate, it's your turn. Your customer, Mike, is an instrument rated pilot. Mike's company has expanded beyond the Midwest region, and he now has locations coast to coast. Mike wants to upgrade his Piper Saratoga to a King Air 350. Most of Mike's travel is to take his executive management team from his corporate headquarters in Milwaukee to his new regional hub in Phoenix. Mike also flies from Milwaukee to Indianapolis once a month and enjoys visiting his daughter at the University of Iowa each semester. How would you help Mike assess his mission profile to get him into the right plane? Yeah, this one's a little more intricate than flying around Miami and, and the Bahamas. Uh, <laughs> my first question to Mike would be, uh, how many people is he taking with him? Uh, you know, obviously right now he's flying a six-seat airplane when he's going from Milwaukee to Phoenix. Is that going to be six to seven people or is that going to be one to three? Um, that's going to make a big difference. You know, a Saratoga to a King Air 350 is going to be a big jump. I don't know Mike's experience. It could be possible if he's got King Air time flying other other airplanes. Uh, but I'm going to assume that he's probably going to hire a pilot for a while. So King Air 350 is an awesome airplane. It's very, very capable. It is easily capable of doing that mission. That's probably somewhere around 1,200 nautical miles. It'll do it in about four hours. Um, if that's in line with his expectations, great. Uh, another alternative, you know, if you're in maybe that uh, three to five people that you're going to be taking with them, maybe he wants to look into like a CJ2, three or four, Phenom 300. That's going to be a little bit of overkill for probably hopping to Indianapolis from Milwaukee, but people do it all the time. So maybe he keeps the Saratoga and buys a jet to get him to uh, Phoenix a little bit quicker. If he wanted to keep one airplane, doesn't need to take a whole lot of people. Maybe look at something like a TBM. Uh, TBM would easily accomplish that mission. It's going to have the the single engine efficiencies and and be able to do the job for him. But biggest thing is how many people is he taking? Because that's that's going to be an important part. Back back to that mission profile. Yeah. Hook it up with a good broker. It's super important when knowing all those details. So you can see how it's going to work. 
conversation can be navigated in multiple directions depending upon that information. And thinking about those multiple directions. So I think our listeners are starting to understand how important understanding your mission profile is. I mean, we kind of got a good picture of that in all the possible scenarios that it could be. But maybe one airplane isn't always the option, correct? Is not, or at least not the only option. So in your experience, what other options are available besides maybe straight aircraft ownership? Um, when the 80-20 rule suggests one aircraft for most missions, but a totally different kind of aircraft for the other 20%. What are, what are people's options out there if that's the case for them? Sure, uh, I'll, I'll take this one. Um, so there's several options you can look at. So let's say, for example, the scenario just gave to Tate there. So the gentleman owns a Saratoga. So Tate had proposed a good solution, you know, keep both airplanes. So keep the Saratoga for the short range trip. And if he's needing to take, you know, six to eight executives, King Air 350s, heavy hauler, double club, great for that scenario. So in that scenario, he'd keep both. Now, let's say, for example, he loves his Saratoga, and that trip he's only doing twice a year, and he needs to take all those executives. So in that situation, maybe he upgrades from a Saratoga to a TBM, so he's going to be able to move faster, or even maybe a Meridian, right? But he just wants to burn some Jet A. And for that trip that he does twice a year, look at a charter option. So, you know, chartering for that trip to be able to do that. You know, people forget, you know, that outlier, that 20% that we're going to be talking about, Look at other options that are a little more reasonable. So charter for that trip. Um, maybe buy some block time. So we also have options uh, through Airmart where we do lease aircraft where you can buy block hours. So um, we have kind of a reverse role with several of our uh, current customers. Uh, so we have customers that own jets, and they've got that short short mission, and they're buying block time in our barons from us. Uh, and they love it because it's very affordable. So that two to 300 nautical mile trip, that's a great Beechcraft Baron trip, but it's a horrible Citation Ultra or a CJ3. You know, they love the convenience of being able to have that. So it, it can go both directions. So if 80% of your trips are long range, you're looking for a 20% short range ra uh, option, you can maybe lease for that short range. That makes sense. And also um, to what Tate had said about now you might need a pilot, right? You might need to actually have a professional pilot if you've been flying an owner-operated plane for a while. You might still need to scratch that itch every once in a while and be able to fly yourself and someone you love somewhere else. So perhaps leasing could be an option for something like that if they aren't able or willing to keep two different types of aircraft. So. Yep. Yeah, that's a great point. Again, that 20% pocket, you got to ask yourself, how are you, you know, there's other solutions for that. It doesn't have to be a no, it can be a charter, it can be a lease, it can be, you know, anything. It could be, you know, in a situation where a guy owns a jet that handles 80% of his trips with a 20% of short range, hey, give us a call, buy a single engine airplane or, or a, a light twin to handle that. Great. So what I hear you saying is sometimes you've got to get creative and yep. think outside the box to make all those pieces fit together into what fits your mission overall, the big mission and the smaller missions within it. Absolutely. Coming back to, you know, a good relationship with a good broker like Airmark can help you through all of those different options. Yep, because we have a better understanding of the universe of aviation. A lot of experience with a lot of different airplanes. Yep. You know, that's really true, and to have experience in all different makes and models and types is really important to understanding which one performs best in any scenario. Um, and one thing that's great about sales executives like Tate and Sav is that they're not just salespeople, they're pilots too. Um, and in fact, what percentage of our staff is pilots now? Yeah, 80% of the people who work for Airmart are pilots as well. So um, we get it. We understand that sometimes it takes more than one solution to arrive at where you need to go. 
pilots for pilots. Um, okay, so these are all great insights, and we've covered a lot. Um, let's leave our listeners with a few highlights. Sav, if you could give just one piece of advice about mission profiles, what would it be? I'd like to address first-time aircraft owners because it's a daunting decision, uh, especially when they don't have the prior experience of, mm. of aircraft ownership. So um, your first airplane is not always your forever airplane. The mission is a dynamic piece, and it may evolve as you own and you build time and experience in the important. aircraft. So don't be afraid. This is where pairing with a, a reputable broker is important. Airmart is also an inventory dealer. So if the mission changes, if you have more people going, a, another child comes along, whatever it may be, you want to go further, we will be there to be a resource to help you move into the next platform or, or even structure a trade. And to add on to that, it's a great point because I have this conversation a lot with people and people don't realize it. They, they come into it and they think, hey, I got to buy my first airplane and this airplane is going to be the plane that I'm going to have forever. And when I tell them that the average itch cycle is three years on an airplane ownership, they're like, how is that possible? I'm like, it's possible. It's great. That's what it is. So don't get hung up on this one airplane that you're going to be buying because statistically it's three years. And they're like, well, that, that's fascinating. I said, yeah, that's why this is a great business. Yeah, I love what Saab said about your first airplane doesn't have to be your forever airplane. That's that's a really good mindset. How about you, Tate? If you could leave our listeners with one thing about Mission Profile, what would it be? Yeah, I want to segue off what Saab said. Uh, so we'll circle back to that real quick. But uh, I actually use a real estate analogy. You know, nobody goes into their first house and says, I'm going to live here the rest of my life. It's just a starter house. And that connects with people a lot. Um, and I think that makes sense because to Grant's point, I get a lot of customers saying, I'm going to buy one airplane and be done. Uh, and in reality, that's that's not the case. But I think the barriers to entry in their mind, I think it's very difficult to buy and sell an airplane after they do it once and they see how we handle the transaction. And specifically when they come back and they sell that first airplane and they move to the second one, they go, wow, that was easy. Like, it was not like selling a house. It was so much simpler. So after they get that first experience, I think it kind of opens up their eyes and they start thinking higher, faster, further, and progressing on up through the through the ranks. So what I hear you all saying, too, is that every couple of years, um, owners should reevaluate what their mission profile is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because life changes, right? Yeah. Businesses grow. They become more successful. Families grow. They go through all kinds of life cycles, right? You go from raising children to being empty nesters. So, I mean, the whole profile changes over that whole history, and we like to be that aviation resource helping them through that journey. Perfect. Is there any final thoughts you'd like to give us, Grant? You know, just, again, the mission profile, I'm so glad we're covering that because it is critical in making the purchasing decision. So many people overlook that, and they, they, they try to look at controller, and they'll just shop, and they put their spreadsheets together, but and they shop on price, and they get so hung up on things that are not as critical. Price is important, but it's not the one determining factor. The most important factor is the right plane for the right mission, and we tell people that over and over again. And they'll, they'll call us with ideas of, what they think they have to buy, and once we get done with them and explaining to them, hey, look, you're not looking at the mission correctly. What is it you're really trying to achieve? We will completely help them to make the right decision toward the right airplane. And I think bouncing off that, we've all probably had the, the phone calls of somebody calling us to sell their airplane. They didn't buy it from us. We didn't help them define that mission profile. And let's say they were a 400-hour pilot. They had been renting, maybe got some time in a Saratoga, and they bought a Piper Mirage. Their mission is 200 nautical miles and going to get the $100 hamburger. Right. <laughs> they call us up and they say, I want to sell my airplane. 
aviation is way too expensive. It's not for me. I'm never buying another airplane. And I have to kind of explain to them, but they've already got that taste in their mouth, right? They, they've already got the negative impression of aviation. It's like you, you bought the wrong airplane. It's expensive because that airplane is not meant for that mission. You're using it for something it wasn't designed for. If they had something like a Cessna 182, they would probably still be in love with aviation. Maybe further down the road, they move into a Mirage. But uh, I think for the industry as a whole, keep more people in it, more active, and just progress aviation forward. It's important to, to get more people involved, and unfortunately, I see people stepping out of it because they didn't define that mission profile. Yep. And assessing what you need the airplane for, just like Tate mentioned, very really can save you money. But I think a lot of people worry that they are going to over-assess and end up with too much airplane, but really, um, by not assessing the airplane, um, you will end up most likely with too much airplane or one that's not going to exactly work for you. How about you, Sav? Any closing thoughts? I couldn't agree more. You know, ultimately, utilization of an airplane is where the value is built. And so, uh, to Tate's point, we've we've seen the scenario of I'm not using my airplane very much. It's costing me X amount. So, uh, when when we can attack that on the front side and and make sure that they that a more complete experience is delivered and that a better fit is made, um, ultimately that that behooves the the aircraft owner. All right. Very good words. All right, well, that's all the time that we have for today. I'd like to thank our guests, Sav Savonier and Tate Priest, and, of course, my husband, Grant Sutherland. If you have any more questions or have topics that you'd like to see us cover for future episodes, please feel free to reach out at listeners at onapproachpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, we wish everyone safe and profitable skies. On Approach podcast brought to you by AGL, Aircraft Guarantee and Lending, your financing and insurance resource for general and corporate aviation. Contact us today, aircraftcash.com. Again, that's aircraftcash.com.